Okay, for our message today, it'll be brought to us by Mr. Barnabas Grayson. It is entitled, Seek Peace. His thumb is bigger than mine. Thank you, Brian. So, shall I begin again? <laughs> With those introductory words. <clears throat> Go right into the sermon, of course. Uh, Seek peace from Psalm 34, verse 14. You know, since the beginning of uh, history, written records, that is, uh, even before then, there have been thousands of wars and from the time of Christ there have been around 1800 and I kind of stopped counting uh, on the list that of all the conflicts the quarrels the riots the rebellion the insurrections the fighting and uh, threats of course and like uh, was mentioned earlier about the Cuban Missile Crisis you know there are lots of incidences in this world today that kind of puts us on the border of maybe some more uh, war so Jesus said that we will continue to hear of wars and rumors of wars and on top of that he mentions earthquakes and famines and pestilence and that these are just the beginning of troubles of sorrows so these things are going to disturb our peace every once in a while perhaps in a long while but unlikely and it's going to affect the peace we have among one another and also our peace of mind which becomes a whole lot more personal in Leviticus chapter 26 3 I don't have this down on your uh, handout but in verse 3 it talks about doing the commandments of God obeying his commandments his statutes in other words doing his will and that in verse 4 of that chapter, that there are blessings for doing that, like rain in due season. And in verse 6, it talks about uh, you shall have peace in the land. And in verse 7, we don't listen to his word. It says in verse 17 on down that he will set his face against us. So we'll read of this we'll hear this thought later on at the conclusion uh, of this message 
in about an hour. Uh, so you may find that this sermon that I am going to give is like one I gave, I believe, back in December. It had to do with peace on earth and, and goodwill toward man. But here in Psalm 34, verse 11 through 14, it says that we should depart from uh, evil and to do good, to seek peace, and to pursue it. So we read and we know that peace does not come easy. Verse 11, it says, Come, you children, hearken unto me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is he that desires life and loves many days? that he may see good. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking guile, that is, you know, treachery. Depart, that is, leave. Leave behind uh, and exit from evil and do good and seek peace and pursue it. So, like I said, peace does not come easy sometimes. What we'd rather do is, you know, uh, take off, uh, you know, have a chip on our shoulder and just stand and fight back. But it takes a personal resolve to try to pursue peace and, and to seek peace. And also it takes resolve to look at what might be holding back in our, in our quest for peace. But we see that we have to depart from whatever is wrong that might be causing trouble in our life that might be causing a lack of peace that we are to shun evil that we are to uh, do good and we know uh, from scripture that it says to overcome evil uh, by doing good Romans 2:21. so we're to look for things that make for peace and to go after it to pursue it to uh, prosecute it to act toward it so here, King David is telling us, Psalm 34, about those, uh, about how to live in the fear of the Lord. And that's by seeking peace through righteousness and holding, uh, watching your tongue to keep from, from lying. So when we look at the world today, especially that of uh, leaders where words are supposed to matter, but they say and do things that are evil, that are untrue, that is the cause of fallout and division and contention and anger and suspicion and trouble and not peace. And we know that God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. In 1 Peter, uh, verse, chapter 3, verse 12, it says, For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. And his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Like he gives a person who might be doing wrong. Or maybe as a parent when they see a child doing wrong. That they give them a hard look. I remember my days in the Baptist church. And uh, men would be on one side. Uh, ladies on the other side. And kids would kind of be at the back. As you know some kids do. And uh, we would be uh, kind of snickering and doing our own thing back there, uh, drawing on paper or whatever. And nowadays, you've got the games and everything that you can just uh, do that. And every once in a while, there would be uh, an older woman or a man or just somebody who's wanting to hear the sermon. And they look back at you and they give you 
you know, a hard look, which means you understood that you need to be quiet. And it was usually my mother that uh, did that. And she would purse her lips, you know. I don't, sometimes I think they still do that. They, yep. That's, uh, we get a hard look sometimes from the wrongs that we do in life. And sometimes we may not know we're doing it until we get a hard look from, from somebody that knows and sees it. In Mark 9:50, chapter 9, verse 50, you don't have this down. It says to have peace with one another. And the prophet Isaiah in uh, Zechariah 8:19, he said to love truth and peace. Now, as the righteous children of God, there are some Christian attitudes that we are to have in which, you know, we won't get any hard looks. Matthew chapter 5, uh, verse 9, says to us, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Jesus said this in his preaching, of course, you know, in, in the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed, that is, happy, are the, are the peacemakers, he said, and they shall be called the children of God. This is one of the attitudes that shows a changed life as a follower of Jesus Christ and his teaching. So happy are they that live in these attitudes and do accordingly in their life. They are humble, sympathetic, meek, merciful, pure in heart, seeking to do what is right, just living in the word of God, living in an attitude that Jesus said to live in, which leads to salvation and the kingdom of God. So these are inner qualities that guide Christians in daily life and shows them as believers and messengers of Jesus Christ and following his word. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, it says, Now then... We are ambassadors as Christ through God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be you reconciled to God. So the apostles of Christ, Paul, said God was using them to speak to the Corinthians with those words as though Christ himself were imploring them in behalf of Christ to receive the, you know, the love that he offers, knowing that through that love that Christ has given, he has forgiven us, and he has given us the hope, and he has given the gift of the Holy Spirit that will lead and guide us throughout life, that will help us to remember the attitudes that we're supposed to have when uh, we are Christian. So we know that the Corinthian church that he was talking to, they had divisions that threatened unity. And he said in 1 Corinthians 1.11, For it has been declared unto me, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. You know, contentions aren't really the word you want the thing you want to do if you're looking to have peace and unity. He said there were arguments. There were quarrels going on and there was need for peaceful settlement 
So the church is giving in to carnal thinking. And there was uh, that need to be more spiritual. So the church was <coughs> having, uh, Paul saw it he, in a way he was giving uh, that hard look through, through his writing and through his attention toward them in the way they were behaving. So they were not in fellowship with the attitudes that Jesus preached about. They needed to reconcile and submit to the teachings of Christ and remember that he sacrificed his life for the forgiveness of their sins. Paul said in Romans chapter 14, verse 19, uh, he said, and he says this to all who are in fellowship with Christ, Christians who uh, are following the gospel and the ways of Christ, the ways of the Father. He said, let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify one another. So what are those things that make for peace? 2 Timothy 2.22 tells us that first, in verse 22, to flee youthful lusts. Those are, you know, desires that are common to uh, youthful inexperience or immaturity or foolishness. But to follow after one, follow after righteousness. You know, that's, that, uh, that's what comes to mind perhaps is you knowing that all thy commandments are righteousness. So we follow after the commandments that, are, that we read about. And the other is to follow faith follow after faith and you know Hebrews 11 it tells us what faith is and to follow after charity or, or love and you know first Corinthians tells us what love is and to follow peace uh, what Jesus said about peace he said in John 14:22 that it is my peace my peace I give you and he said, says to follow all of these things with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Philippians chapter 4 verse 8. You know we need to associate with people of like mind. If it's not a very peaceful person you know it's, it's not good to be around them. But in Philippians 4a we're to think on these things. Whatsoever things are true, not false, whatsoever things are true, what thing, whatsoever things are honest and just and pure, lovely, and of good report. And if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. But don't let evil attitudes or evil thinking uh, occupy the mind and heart. In Psalms 119, 165, it says that great peace have all they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. That, you know, that is things that are going to cause uh, to make them stumble. Those who love God's word, they hope and they trust in him, they have great peace. That is well-being. And, you know, there are times, being human, when 
that great peace kind of fades away or it's not as strong as it was maybe yesterday because of things that are happening around around them but this well-being you know peace can sometimes ebb and flow just like our attitudes can ebb and flow but great peace have they which love thy law that is you know they love it enough to look into it to study it to apply it to into their life and act upon it now the psalmist there in Psalm 119 there were, he had princes he had uh, there were people who were high up that hated him without cause <clears throat> but he didn't let it offend him instead he was in awe of God's word and he would observe his law because he had love for it knowing that it would be and work toward his good so God is our peace. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 through 16, it says that we are saved by grace. When you interpret this word grace, it's loving grace because of all the things that we do that's wrong, of all the things in which we stir up hatred rather than peace, it's loving grace, his loving grace that forgives us, that gives us a cause for hope and, for, and change. We're saved by grace through faith, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, that is, you know, the physical works of the law, and that we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. Therefore, remember in time past, and this is, you know, we were uh, just going through that in Bible study, Remember in time past, the Ephesians, you know, they were Gentiles in the flesh, called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. So at that time, they were without Christ. They were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. And they were strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus are made nigh, are made near, are made close by the blood of Jesus Christ. Meaning, you know, his sacrifice that uh, unifies them as one, one group. For he is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of partition between us. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is, you know, the hatred. Even the law of commandments contained in ordinances for to make in himself of two one new man. So making peace and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross having slain the enmity that is the hatred there, thereby. So no more strangers or, or foreigners but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. When you consider that our nation is got a lot of people from different places, that there are different colors of skin, cultures, and ideas, the word of God is what can bring them together, to make, that can uh, make them uh, Americans, not only that, but fellow citizens in the household of God. No more strangers, no more uh, foreigners but fellow citizens because 
God looks on the heart. He doesn't look on the outer appearance. We are his workmanship. And with his spirit, his Holy Spirit, that is to be working in us. And, you know, we can quench that spirit or we can deny that spirit or we can just let that spirit just drift off like a boat that's untied, that comes loose from the shore. So we are his workmanship. His spirit is working in us. And, in, and as ambassadors of Christ, we are to follow peace with all men. Departing from evil, doing what is right, seeking peace, pursuing it, going, you know, going after it, and not letting it slip away by being overcome with evil deeds or evil thoughts, evil ideas, and so on. Romans chapter 5, excuse me, Romans chapter 8, verse 5. They that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and is peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. If the thinking and the thoughts and the deeds are according to the ways of the world it's not going to please God we're going to get that that hard look but you are not in the flesh chapter, uh, verse 9 but in the spirit you're not in the flesh you're in the spirit you have the Holy Spirit if so be that the spirit of God dwell in you now if any man have not the spirit of Christ he's none of his for yet a little while and the wicked shall not be. Yea, though, yea, yea, thou shalt diligently, diligently consider his place, and it shall not be. But the meek shall inherit the earth. Referring, you know, referring back to those beatitudes that Christ gave in his Sermon on the Mount. And shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Galatians 5 tells us that. Uh, Peace is one of the fruits of the Spirit, along with love and, and joy and patience and kindness and goodness and, and mercy and faith. These are attitudes that are opposite the ways of the flesh, the carnal flesh. Psalm 37, verse 8. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself in any wise to do evil. For evildoers shall be cut off. But those that wait upon the Lord. They shall inherit the earth. As I heard one of the uh, responses to the questions. You know about telling about the hope that we have. That is in Christ Jesus. That first you inherit the earth, but then you have all of those countless uh, stars and galaxies and planets that are out there. They're there for us in some way. Now, did Jesus come to send peace on earth? 
Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. But in Matthew chapter 10, 34, he says, uh, think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father and the daughter against her mother and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. It just, it just spreads throughout the relationship. And man's foes shall be they of his own household. So sometimes parents who follow Christ might have children who you know, resent their parents' religion or at some point go a different direction, believe a different thing, or grab hold of a different idea of the ways of the world. But the basic contention is over what is truth and what is right. It might be over doctrine. It might be over uh, the religious system or the church or the political system or the social system where con there is contention and various kinds of beliefs. Uh, philosophies that can anger or divide. John 17, 17 tells us, thy word is truth. And we're sanctified by that truth. But sometimes <clears throat> truth is hard to swallow as we have seen in recent times. But we know that Jesus came as a son of God or, uh, or a deity. He came doing miracles. He came with a message about the kingdom of God with a message of repentance, with a, a message of peace. And he came with the sword of truth, that is the word of God. Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart when one is you know fully committed to being a Christian it can it can mean going against uh, beliefs of family friends you know or the church or even the community at large but as ambassadors for Christ we are to be peacemakers living in the world of uh, God remembering uh, living in the word of God Remembering his words like that of his Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 10 tells us that behold I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. You know you can get into a big argument or a quarrel or even a fight if you lay your pearls before swine. Because they could turn and rend you so you have to use wisdom. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils, and they will scourge you in their synagogues. Thankfully, we don't have this kind of persecution yet, but you know, we know that in some places this goes on. And ye shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake, for testimony against them and the Gentiles, the nation. But when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what you shall speak, for it shall be given you in that same hour what you shall speak. That will, you know, in order to know, sometimes it takes study. It takes like what we're doing uh, each uh, Sabbath, 
for the past three or four weeks of studying the word, of learning the word, of knowing what the word says and how to apply it. It may not, we may not think it's sticking into our mind. And like me, when you try to think of a scripture on your own, and that downloading time takes a long time to get to my thinking. But here we know that it says that God will give us the words as to what we say. Verse 20. For it is not you that speak. But the spirit of your father. Which speaks in you. And the brother shall deliver up the brother to death. And the father and the child and the children. Shall rise up against their parents. And cause them to be put to death. Such is the lack of peace. The understanding. The fear. And you shall be hated of all men for my namesake but he that endures to the end shall be saved so we know that quarrels are a fire starter if not put under control James tells us that uh, the tongue is a fire a world a world of iniquity so so is the tongue among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and is and set on fire of hell so we can look at you know the world of politics, be Democrat, Republican, or Independent. You can look at politics where there are falsehoods, and there is anger, there is vengeance, and there is strife, and there is fear for being killed because of a political belief or an idea, even a religious one. So things opposite peace and unity are, are things that dim hopes for peace. Romans chapter 12, verse 17, the Apostle Paul wrote, Recompense no evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. And if it be possible, as much as lies in you, live peaceably with all men. If it be possible. You know, sometimes it's not. You have to be able to discern whether it's possible or not. But if it is possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Verse 19, dearly beloved, avenge not yourself, yourselves, but rather give place unto, the, unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, thus saith the Lord. I will repay, say, saith the Lord. So it can be hard to turn the cheek to something that may give offense, but how do you provide things that are honest, as it says, in the sight of all men? Verse 20 gives us an example. Therefore, if your enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirsts, give him drink. For in so doing, you shall heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Verse 21. So in this time of turmoil, there are disturbances to peace in general. Things that can take away our focus being Christian we often hear sometimes of police uh, going to a home or some place because someone has called in uh, there is some disturbance next door you know you've heard of people being uh, put in jail because of disturbing the peace but there are things that affect our attitude words deeds 
things that tip, you know, our, our bubble. You know, that level that, uh, uh, that builders use to make sure things are straight and narrow. And you have to adjust it when it's uh, not centered. And there are things that upset us. There are things that take away our peace of mind and gives us worry and concern. And they alter our routines for the time being in many ways. We can look at COVID-19, the political and social turmoil, and the division, which has a deep effect on our attitudes and how we feel about things. But in times like these, what is our guide? What is our guide for, for as our source for peace? Philippians chapter 4, uh, verse 4 through 7, it says to rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. Not a, a call to uh, indulge in a carefree life without any concern. To indulge in a life of unconcern, but to not be over anxious about things. Verse 5, let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is near. He is in our minds and in our hearts. And he is as near as, you know, the cell phone that we use when we go to our knees and pray. He's, he is, you know, is, is he not a prayer away in our life? We also know that his return is much nearer than when we first thought or when we first believed. So be careful in verse 6. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God. Not to worry, not to be overanxious after reaching out to God. If we do, we just eliminate that trust in God when we waver in our faith and have doubts about what we ask for. Matthew 25, 31, beginning there. Therefore take no thought, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Wherewithal shall we be clothed? For all these things do the nations, do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. So sometimes when we might feel like uh, we're, we're isolated, we're alone, we don't really have what we want. This tells us the Father knows that you have need. But... Verse 33, seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And verse 7, and the peace of God. Oh, this is part of, of the previous uh, uh, chapter that I was reading. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. So you remember his words there in... Uh, John 14, 27. I should be through here in a few minutes. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives you. Give I unto you. You know, we think that peace treaties and that other things that man has will give us a peace. But the peace that Christ provides, he gives unto us. So let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. And we know that peace is one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. It transcends comprehension with the feeling that God is with us. 
At the beginning, we read Psalm 34, 14, where it says to depart from evil, do what's good. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8 through 11, the Apostle Paul repeated uh, this very psalm. He said in verse 8, Finally be you all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise, blessing, knowing that you are thereunto called that you should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Romans 14, 19. You might want to just write that down. It says, let us therefore follow after the things that make for peace and things wherewith we may edify one another. So we know that the word of God, it's our road map. It's the map that we use to get from one point to the other. And we follow the way of peace. God is our GPS, our, our God our personal God in, in his spirit. It's his spirit in, in us that leads us on the way. I have a reference to Ephesians chapter 6, 14 through 16, but uh, you can uh, read that. I want to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. It says, Finally, brethren, finally, brethren, Farewell, be perfect, be of good comfort, be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace shall be with you. And greet one another with a holy kiss. You know, not literal for our time today, of course, but it is an expression of kindness and compassion and brotherly love and friendship, living in peace to all. We all need that kind of support. So we forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. And, and so much so, more the, as we see the day coming. And being careful, of course, not to judge. Verse 13, all the saints salute you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion, that is the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. preacher I'll be closing here a couple of minutes a preacher was preaching about temperance you know uh, abstinence from alcoholic drink and he said if I had all the beer in the world I'd throw it in the river them's fighting words to some of us I guess and he said if I had all the wine in the world I'd throw it in the river and then he said if I had all the whiskey in the world I throw it in the river. So he sat down and the 
song leader came up. And he said, for our final hymn, <laughs> you know, don't you? It's, uh, he said that turn to page 365 to the song, Shall We Gather at the River? But as we began in Psalm 34, Isaiah said, verse 48, uh, uh, thought, Oh, that you had hearkened to my commandments. Then had your peace been as a river. You know, a river flows. It goes in different places. That's our peace that we're supposed to be spreading in some way. And your righteousness as the wave of the sea. So the things that happen to us, the things that might be going against us, we still need to have peace of mind, and that peace still has to flow. Well, that's all I've got to say for now.